0: All right, so the, all that music, all these poinsettias, all the red plants are telling you what? Christmas is, it's coming. Christmas is coming, brace yourself, right? Yo, Christmas is coming, it's here. All right? again, this is one of my favorite times of year because of the traditions and I love because every time we, we do something that we've done years in the past, and especially with my kids are growing up, but you know, it's, it's, it's new, it's different. So we're doing old things, but they always kind of come up new because the kids are a little older and everybody's responding a little and reacting a little bit differently. And so I, I get excited around this time of year, and I, I know some of you might too. And at the same time, Christmas can either, I think it does maybe for, for a lot of us, and I'll, I'll explain to me too, it's like mixed emotions. Like how many of you are legitimately excited about Christmas time? Oh, like you one of them Christmas geeks, like for real. Like, you know, blasting, you know, it's beginning to look up. You're waiting for new, you know, midnight to crank that. I mean, and some of us, we can't even wait. You're already in November. You're already dipping into Christmas. And so who can be honest and say Christmas can make him be exciting, but at the same time, uh, kind of some little negative, even like a little anxiety. You get a little anxiety when it comes to Christmas time. All right. So, okay, thank you for being brave. Me too. Listen, I, I have a little bit of an anxiety when it comes to Christmas because I want to get Christmas right. You know, I want to get Christmas right. You know, not just did I do it all right, but I mean, especially with my family, I I want to make sure to do Christmas right, that we do the traditions and the fun stuff that, you know, the holidays bring. But I want to make sure the kids don't miss out on the most important part, you know, that it's not just about the this and the that. You know, so I want to make sure we do it right, that we can have fun yet still not miss the big point. So I want to have, you know, I want to make sure I get Christmas right. And, And at the same time for you, though, Look, as a pastor, too, I want to make sure that, hey, um, I want to make sure I do Christmas right for y'all, that I do good for you. That, again, you're all able to do the same thing, that you're getting the big idea. You know, this is, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, think about this, I you mean, know, with uh, sometimes pastors, like Easter, um, Christmas. Story don't change, you know, story don't change. And so sometimes it's okay, God, how how can we talk about the same thing that we all know about, but how can we look at it in a new way that someone has never, wow, I never considered that or thought about that. I mean, just think about the content that we have to create, right? Every single Sunday, Jesus is always alive, you know? Jesus is always alive, Jesus still loves, Jesus still saves. And then we just got to create something around that all the time, right? And so, but I want to make sure I do good by y'all that I can make sure I do Christmas right for you. So I get excited, but I get a little, you know, a little bit of anxiety, a little panic. And I know we all do, you know, you want to make if maybe if this is your first year hosting, right? You want to get things right, right? Or you want to maybe hopefully get certain things right. Maybe there's a relationship that you want to improve on right? It was like, yo, it's the holidays. No one wants to be like, you know, this tension. And so maybe there's a lot of stuff that we want to do right, get right. And that's just, Christmas is just a small part of it. But if we can really be honest, how many of us panic when we think about just trying to get life right? I mean, that's a big one right there, right? I just want to get life right, you know? I mean, and we all have that sensation that we don't want to waste this moment, waste this opportunity. I want to make sure I get life right. And how many of us uh, we, you know, we get that anxiety because we've got a lot wrong in our life, right? We've done a lot of things. We're like, oh my gosh, it's like, I just want to take better advantage of this moment, of this moment. And so when you don't know what to do, if you don't have a plan, that's when the panic begins to attack you, okay? Toy Story 4 quote, I love that, right? Anyways, the panic begins to attack you when you don't got a plan, when you don't know what to do in this moment. And so today, we're going to talk a little bit about that when it comes to Christmas. In fact, here's this quote. I love this quote from Corey Ten Boom, a great missionary to the nation of China years ago. Uh, I have a quote from Corey. She says this. we can put it up so you can see it. She says that there is no panic in heaven. There's no panic in heaven. God has no problems, only plants. God has no problems, only plants. And so that is who, and that right there, I, I mean, just pr- process that one. Process that one. Like, yo, God don't got a problem. You know, he don't have, God don't panic one bit. He don't got a problem. And how many of us, you know, we freak out because of the, sometimes the lack of the plan that we have. And so what, So today, the title of the sermon today is a, a plan for when panic attacks. All right? A plan for when panic attacks. Whether it's Christmas or whether it's anything else, especially The big stuff and so the bottom line for today is this is that misplaced faith will lead to loss but faith in christ leads to life okay misplaced faith leads to loss but faith in christ will lead to life and so we're going to look at a story of a king in fact two different people two people who panicked all right and they both had a plan both had faith in this plan but one had misplaced faith and the other one had their faith in christ And when the panic attacked, they were ready. One was ready, one was not. So the first one you're going to know, well, the second one you're going to know, I'm going to bring him later. His name is Joseph. I'm going to talk to him. You know, that's Jesus' daddy. We're going to talk about him later. But there's one guy that I'm sure some of you, especially if you've been a believer in a while, probably, you know, a name that we don't throw around often, King Ahaz. I've never heard of King Ahaz before. So we're going to look at, and every story, when we do the whole thing unto us, we're going to look at different parts of the book of Isaiah. And so today we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 7. And Isaiah was a prophet to the southern kingdom. And so some of you guys kind of know, maybe not know this, but just this is important to know. Isaiah was a guy, this is around 700 years before Jesus. So before Jesus was born, 700 or so B.C., this guy, Isaiah, God sent him to the tribe and to the nation of Judah. Some of y'all might know David, you know, he killed Goliath with the rock and the sword. Some of you might know his son, his famous equal son, Solomon, right? He wrote Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, all these other books in the Bible too. And so super wise guy. But from Solomon on, we don't know their names. A lot of them we don't really know. And see, right after Solomon, there was a, a civil war. And the 12 tribes of Israel divided. Then you had the northern ten tribes, and then you had the southern tribes, and this was Judah, was the bigger one of the of the group. And so that God would send different prophets to the northern kingdom and some to the southern. And God always sent a prophet with one with something, with a promise and a warning. God always sent prophets to people who were not doing, they weren't in the right, they were getting life wrong in many different ways. And God in his mercy and his compassion, he would throw these lifelines and try to wake them up and say, yo guys, no, don't go that way, it's this way, look, I still love you, I'm still the same. You've changed, but I haven't. You've changed, but I haven't. So come this way. And so that's what he did. And so Isaiah was sent over. And I love this beginning quote in Isaiah in chapter 1. He talks about the heart of God. When God says, look, let's reason together, guys. Let's talk. Let's, bring, let's talk about this. Because though your sins are red, they can be as white as snow. They can be as scarlet. But, and so that's the heart of everything that God wanted through Isaiah. like saying, listen, man, y'all need a lot right now. And I'm here to help. And so in chapter 7, we're going to see this moment. I just got uh, to set, set this one up. So King a, God sends King Ahaz, king of Judah. And so he is panicking. The king is panicking because he just found out that the, there's a, a nation, some of you may know, Syria. Syria was actually budding up with the northern kingdom of Judah. And they were threatening to take over. Um, you know they were threatening to take over judah they were threatening to invade and so here's the guy ahaz is panicking because uh-oh uh two versus one i don't i'm not gonna be able to make this i can't handle this i'm pretty sure we've all felt overwhelmed right with okay too many people showed up to my house for thanksgiving what am i gonna do i don't got enough food you know or whatnot you know there's always something there and so here he is he's panicking a little bit so god sends him sends isaiah over to talk to these guys because there's a threat from the north and why is it always the north and and, and look i I never watched an episode but what is it about lord of the rings game of thrones all these other like like, epic epic shows why does the threat always come from the north you know why like i was thinking about that i was like why is it always from the north like i mean think about if they were coming from the west i was like oh that doesn't sound threatening the east you know oh my god they're coming from the south you know Nah, but when it come from the north, right, I don't know, it's just a word, right, I don't know, just everybody's, I don't know what that deal is, but anyways, this is real though, and so here he is, there's this threat from the north coming, and so God sends Isaiah over, and Isaiah says these words to this panicking king because he doesn't know what to do, and so check this out, I look what Isaiah, we're going to pick it up, and we're going to read from chapter 4, no, chapter 7, verse 4, sorry, and he says this, I love, and say to him, God says to Isaiah, say to the king, be careful, be quiet, don't be afraid, don't fear, and don't let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrand. Yo, God clapping back. Okay, you know, I don't know, that's, he's talking about those two people, those two nations up there. Don't be afraid of those two stumps at the fierce anger of Rez Syria, the son of, son of Remaliah. I love that opening phrase. Just pause and listen to God. This is like daddy talking, right? You ever seen when somebody gets serious, like you know when mom and dad... They about, you know, you need to pay attention, right? And they get real, I love that opening phrase, uh, be careful, be quiet, don't be afraid, all right? I was like, yo, be careful, King, be careful with the decisions that you're about to make and be quiet because I'm talking. Listen, I love, God's so cool, right? I was like, yo, be careful, be quiet. Some of y'all need to talk, when y'all kids are acting up, uh, excuse me, be careful, be quiet. You got to listen. So, All right. Wives, maybe you can use that with your husbands. I don't know. Maybe. So be careful. Be quiet. Listen. Don't be afraid. Okay. That one too. But so he says, yo, be careful. Be quiet. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about those guys. They're breathing all of these threats. Don't listen to them. Don't worry. Let's keep on going. Why? He says, because Syria with Ephraim, by the way, Ephraim was one of the tribes of Judah one of the tribes of Israel. It's one of the, the northern ones and it was the largest one. So sometimes if you ever read Ephraim, it's like Israel, so it's the equivalent. They're, they're the biggest tribe from the the, the north. Okay, from the, so Okay, so he says because of Syria with Ephraim, the son of Remaliah, they've devised evil against you. I know what they're planning. I've heard them. They're saying, let's go down against Judah. Let's terrify them. Let's conquer it for ourselves, and let's set up a puppet king, the son of Tobiel, as king in the midst of them. Like let's just run these guys. And thus says the Lord. So, when you know, the thus says the Lord, God's talking, I'm like, so listen to me, what I'm about to say. It shall not stand. Their plans shall not stand. It shall not come to pass. It ain't gonna happen. I can tell you right now, you can trust me on this. It's not gonna happen. For the head of Syria is Damascus, the head of Damascus is resin. And within these 65 years, Ephraim shall be scattered from being a people. This is a bold statement. He is saying that the northern tribes, there's going to come a time that they won't even be around anymore. Syria, yeah, these people who are talking all this junk, they're not even going to be in the picture anymore. There's going to come a time. You will see it's going to happen. And the head of Ephraim, Samaria, the head of Samaria, son of Remaliah. Like God knows who he's dealing with. But I love this statement. If you, look at, look at verse 9. If you, guys, this is a big if because notice God says it's not going to happen. It won't happen if. There's a part that the king had to play. Some of us too. Like God, when God's faithful promises, like God says, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. If, if you believe me, if you believe, if you, and there's a, there's a big, you know, there's a weight to that there. And so notice what he says: if you are not firm in faith, you're not gonna be firm at all. What a what a sentence. And if you're not firm in faith, faith in what? Faith in me who's talking, in what I just declared. If you are not firm in your faith, you are not going to be firm at all. You are not going to be able to stand. Again, the Lord, you're going to keep on going. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. So again, look, God is so desperate to get his attention. Look at this statement he says. God says to him, um, ask a sign of the Lord. Ask a sign of the Lord, your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. Like God is saying, look, I want to prove it to you. I'm, he's making bold statements. He's not just saying it's not going to happen. He's also saying those guys are going to be gone and done with. And so, you know what, Ahaz, give me a sign. I don't Say whatever you want and I'll prove it to you. When he says that as, you know, Sheol, like hell and heaven, he's, God's asking him, he's like, bro, whatever your mind imagination can come up with, try me, bro. Try, God talks like that. Try me, bro. Okay, try me do it do it and watch me i want to prove it to you that i'm not just you know talking smoke here prove it i want to prove it to you do it anything anything you want i, I could you imagine what you would do i'm like you know hmm, that'd be interesting like what anything god says whatever you want i will do it to show you i'm for real ask me for a sign look what ahaz responds back but ahaz said i will not ask i will not put the lord to the test some of us, you may read that, and some of you may be like, wow, so spiritual, wow. And like, no, no, gee, no, God, it's okay. No, I don't have to test you. I, I, I trust you. I believe in you. I don't, I'm not going to do it. No, it's okay. Don't read it like that because that's not how King Ahaz was responding. In fact, this is how King Ahaz was responding, and this is how I know. Ready? When he says, yo, ask me for a sign, I'm going to prove it to you. Ahaz goes, uh, no, I'm not going to ask for anything. No, I'm good. Don't worry about it. I got this. That's the attitude. No, I'm not going to ask him for a sign nah, I'm good. How do you know I know that? Well, because when we look at, by the way, King Ahaz pops up in multiple other books in the Old Testament, in Chronicles and Kings, and we know that King Ahaz is a wicked king. He has no faith in God. He has no respect for God. In fact, this is, this is how despicable this guy was. King Ahaz, at one point, in worshiping a demon, sacrificed his own child and threw him alive into the fire. He threw his baby boy i don't even know if it's a boy or what i I, I can't remember the age right now i should have looked it up my bad and so but we do know that he he took his son not to punish his son he sacrificed his son threw him alive into a fire in order to worship a demon god this guy don't care about this god this guy's wicked so when he goes, nah, God, uh, Isaiah, it was like, as God says, hey, try me, bro. I was like, huh, Isaiah, um, I got this, okay? No, I'm not going to ask God for anything. I got this. I haven't asked for him once. I haven't leaned on it. I haven't done anything he's wanted me to do anyways. I'm doing good. I'm the king. I got this. In fact, here's why I believe God was telling him, remember, be careful, be quiet. Like, be careful what you're about to do. God sent Isaiah at this right moment because, see, Ahaz was already coming up with a plan. He was like, uh-oh. These two nations are coming at me. I need help, right? So maybe the enemy of my a- enemy could be my friend. And we know in the, in the book here and in, in, in others, not just Isaiah, but in other books, he goes and makes an alliance with Assyria. With the other, he, that's like the big up and coming, you know, country nation on the block. They're the bad boys there. And so he makes an alliance with Assyria and says, uh, I got this. I don't need God. I got this. I got this. I've already made, uh, you know, arrangements. Me and Assyria, Assyria got my back. So, yeah, come at me what you want, bro. But look, uh, I know you don't want to mess with them. I got this. That's Ahaz. I got this. Ever use that phrase, right? And like, hey, do you need any help? No, baby, no, I got this. I got this, man. I got it. right? That's Ahaz. No, I don't need God. I don't need you, God. I got this. I got this. So listen to this next statement here. I will not ask. And so then he says, oh, here then, house of David. Here then, house of David. So Ahaz is not paying attention. By the way, um, I, I, you can't, I cannot ignore this right here. Who God is. Again, is Ahaz a good dude, yes or no? No. But then what is God doing? God is giving this wicked person an out. He is saying, uh, Ahaz, you do not deserve my help. You have not once come to me, looked at me, obeyed me, considered me ever, but here in your desperate time of need, here I am to help you because I still love you despite what you've done. I still love you despite the wickedness that you've, I I still love you despite the guy you have become. Guys, isn't that amazing? That's our God, that's the same God today who is here right now, that despite what you've done, what you've become, God says, I still love you. I still love you. None of those things have canceled out my love for you. I don't care, bro, and if, if, if you could think, well, you know, if, if you haven't sacrificed a child of the fire, I know maybe some of y'all thought about it at one point, okay, but you know, I, that's big deal, and for God to say, I still love you, and I'm still here to help you? I mean, look at that statement again when he says, Yo, I want to prove it to you. Let me, Ahaz, you don't believe in me, but here I am. I am telling you. I want to prove myself to you. I want to prove myself to you. Go, man. Go do anything, and I will do it. Nah, I'm good. I got this. I don't need God. I got this. So now Isaiah turns not to Ahaz because he's not listening. Now he turns to the house of David. Now Isaiah is just talking to anyone, house of David, tribe of Judah, the southern kingdom, anyone in the nation now, who's willing to listen? Who is willing to hear? That's who he's saying. So here, house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, listen, the Lord will give you a sign. Remember, he said, Ahaz, I want to give, give you a sign. Give me a sign. No, I don't, I don't need a sign, God. Well, God said, well, you're going to get one anyways. Okay, so fine. You don't want one? I'm going to give you a sign. And so here's what, here's what he says. I'm going to give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. That one is probably a familiar verse. Have you ever heard of that one? That's the context of the story. God is saying, look, I want to do the impossible to show you what is possible with me. That's what he's like. I want to do the impossible to show you what is possible with me if you trust me, if you believe in me. And so he says all this other stuff, which this is why, you know, that's very inspiring. You can kind of guess why the next sentence doesn't get put in a Christmas song. Um, Then he goes here, he shall eat curds and honey and he'll know how to refuse. Okay, I don't know. Yo, uh, Culver's cheese curds. That That one, okay. I don't know about this other curds. I don't know what he's talking about. But he says here, he shall eat curds and honey and he will know how to refuse evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land where the two northern kings that you dread, they're going to be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you now and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Syria. So now listen to the weight on this, guys. The whole curds and honey thing, that wasn't a Jewish diet. That was a foreign nomadic diet. So here he was saying, Man, Ahaz, if you would have just listened to me. Remember, misplaced faith leads to loss. Faith in Christ leads to life. So he was like, bro, if you would have just trusted in me, those enemies of yours, I could have handled them. But because, because you refuse to believe in me, here's what's going to happen. Those two nations that are threatening you, tell you what, yeah, I'm still going to fulfill my promise. What did not God promise say, hey, they're going to be done. Don't worry about them. They're going to be handled. Did Did God promise that? Yes or no? So even though Ahaz just like brushed his shoulder on God, God says, I'm still going to fulfill my promise. But here's the thing, though. That same buddy, Assyria, that got your back, they're going to stab you in the back when it's all said and done. They're going to stab you in the back when it's all said and done. The same way you put your confidence in this king, this wicked pagan king. They're going to turn on you. If you can read the rest of chapter 7, Isaiah goes, and then when that day happens, when Assyria shows up, when that day, and then when that day, I mean, I, I don't want to read it because it gets kind of crazy, but he says, and then that day, and then this is going to happen. It's kind of weird things like, and then they're going to have razors and they're going to shave your beard. I'm like, wait, is that bad? I was like, that kind of couldn't be awkward when we read it, but in that culture, to have your beard shaved was like humiliating. It was insulting. It was like the worst, one of the, you know, very, I don't know, this is bad. And so he's saying, when that day happens, all of these things, you're going to lose everything. And God's not doing it because he's bitter. Listen, God's not doing it because, oh, so, oh, so you're going to go with him? Okay, you know, I was like, all right. God's not bitter. God's not doing that. It's, it's, this is what's happening. This is the equivalent of what Ahaz is doing. It's like you go to the doctors. You go to the doctors and you, and you do the tests and you do all these things. And the doctor goes, all right, man, here's the situation. Got all the tests, got all the charts in front of you. So look, dude, you got high cholesterol. You got this, you got this, you got this, you got this. If you don't change your lifestyle, you're going to die within four years. That's the scenario. If you don't change your lifestyle, if you don't change your decisions, what you're doing, what you're eating, how you're living, you're, you're going to cut your life short. You're going to die within four years. That's, A, that's Isaiah telling him. That all. And that's, now Ahaz is like looking to the doctor, you know, looking past all the degrees on the wall, looking past the trench coat. The, you know, x-ray, the, the official scans and everything. And it's like you telling that doctor that tells you this is wrong with you. This is what's going to happen if you don't change. And you look at the doctor and you're like, I don't trust him. No, doc, I'm good. I got this. I got this. I'm good. I got this. And then you die with a heart attack within four years. Did the doctor send the heart attack to get you? Yes or no? Then I'm like, so, you're gonna disrespect me? Okay, here, I'm gonna prescribe you death to you. Go ahead. All right, here you go. You know, is that what, did, did he do that? Like, did, did the doctor have that power to assign? No, he didn't. What was the doctor doing? If you don't change your lifestyle, this is what's gonna happen. That's what God was saying. Listen, if you're gonna live like that, this is the end result of what's gonna happen. So, God, you know, God allowed all of, and this is the cool part about, you know, all these details. Some of us can read those details and be like, I don't know. But guys, here's the beauty in those details. All of these, again, this was written in the mid 700 BC. All of these nations, all of those kings, remember God spitting out all these names? Guess what? We can prove that those people did live. They all existed. They all existed around this time period. And guess what? The promise was fulfilled. Those northern kingdoms, Assyria took them out in the timeline that God said it was going to happen. I mean, this is Isaiah broadcasting this. And then it came true. There was There's like a partial fulfillment about this virgin birth. Like some don't know if, if it means that Hezekiah, there was a, a girl in the moment that, you know, Hezekiah, Isaiah, I'm sorry, Ahaz, had a boy another son and his name was Hezekiah. He was a good guy. Or Isaiah later, his wife died. He remarried, had another boy. But and then literally there was a a partial fulfillment of this prophecy about the virgin giving birth. There was a virgin that was a virgin then that wouldn't be a virgin any longer. She would have a baby and then these nations would be destroyed. And it happened in the timeline that God said it was going to happen. Again, God will do the impossible to prove to you what is possible through him. And so that was a partial fulfillment. But See, we know that the story, there was an ultimate fulfillment that that virgin birth was pointing to. Because we all have a different threat that doesn't come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. The threat's from the inside, and it's called sin. It's that sickness that we all have. And so we see Ahaz, he misplaced his faith. He didn't stand firm in the faith in who God was. In fact, he was like, "Now, nah, God, I got this. I got this. I got this. I'm not going to panic. I got a plan. I got this. I don't need you. He misplaced his faith. He lost the nation. He lost his life. He lost it all. But then there was another guy, Joseph. Similar scenario. Joseph started to panic. And Joseph had no plan. In fact, he started coming up with a plan. And this is when God doesn't send a man like Isaiah. He, doesn't, he sends a different messenger. He sends an angel, Angel Gabriel. And I want you to know this is, you know, Joseph's panicking. Because here he is, his girl, Mary, is what? Pregos, okay? She's pregnant. She's pregnant. And here's the thing. He knows it's not his baby. He knows it's not his baby because they weren't together. See, in Jewish cultures, when you got married, like you were kind of engaged, betrothed, whatever, that was a moment that happened. And then the husband would go away for a year, literally. And he would go back to his hometown and set up a house and get ready. He would have a year to prepare. And then the girl just had to wait. And then the husband would come back and get and bring her back to the home that he had prepared for her. And then they would consummate the marriage, okay? Thank you, Jesus. There's not a year, you know, waiting period from I do to let's do it, right, the honeymoon. I'm just so glad, right, because that was, that was then. Anybody with me on that one? Okay, yes. Okay, anyways, all right, there we go. And so, but, so here's the thing. Joseph wasn't with her, and Joseph is panicking because he loves this girl. Joseph was a good guy, great man. Joseph loved Mary, and he began to panic because he knows, hold on, I wasn't with her if people find out she's pregnant they're going to stone her the love of my life is going to get murdered if if people find out but then if i say it's my baby if i don't if i don't out her and i keep it quiet well what if people come after me for hiding this disgraceful thing so well, they'll just they not only kill her they're going to they're going to kill me what what am i going to do okay well 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 maybe what if i what if she is my wife but but no then that that means people will know that or they're going to think that I had sex with her before and then that was punishable by death too. The both of them. So you, Joe, he's panicking. He doesn't know what to do. Then he finally comes up with a plan and the plan was he said, well, let me, just, let me just put her away quietly. Let me just find a way to just protect her so she could live and have a better life. And I'm just going to start over. He had a plan. God sent a different messenger. Listen to what this guy says. Right when he's thinking this, he says, as he was considering these things, putting her away. This is Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 20 through 23. As he's considering these things, putting her away, coming up with a plan. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. I love that. Look at that phrase. When it goes to Isaiah, right, hey, be careful, be quiet, don't be afraid. The angel kind of shows up, too. He's like, oh, listen, be careful what you're about to do. Listen to me, be quiet, don't be afraid. Very similar phrases here. Don't be afraid. To take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this will take place to fulfill what the Lord spoke through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This was the ultimate fulfillment of that promise. This was the ultimate fulfillment. There was a partial one there. And so here he's saying, listen, don't panic. I got a plan. Remember, God, there's no problems in heaven. Only plans. God doesn't panic, right? And so he's like, yo, I got a plan, Joseph. I had a plan for Ahaz. He didn't trust me. It didn't go good. Same verse now, applying to a different person, panicking, trying to come up with a plan. And here God is saying, if you trust in me, trust me, trust me. This is my idea. This is my plan, bro. Hang in there. See, what are people going to think if I take her on as my wife? What are people going to say? What, what job opportunities am I going to be denied because of this, because of that? Okay, but God, if you said, if you, this is your idea, okay, I'm going to trust you. I don't know how this is going to work out. I'll trust you. And as we know the story, he, yeah, he didn't put her away. He became that dad for Jesus. And so again, where where there was misplaced faith leads to what? Misplaced faith leads to loss, but faith in Christ leads to life. Joseph put his faith in Christ. He believed that Christ was Jesus, that Jesus was God, that this was God. I'm like, even think about that. I'm like, okay, I'm holding, I gotta change God's diaper. I don't know. Like, that's a weird process to think of, right? And so he was like, all right, God, whatever. This is your idea. This is your plan. Let's go. Okay. And again, God wanted to do the impossible to show, look, if I can get, God is saying, if I can have a virgin get pregnant, I can forgive you of your sins. If I can do that impossible thing, man, let me show you what's possible through me. I love that. I love it. And so Joseph believed, he placed his faith and his confidence in God. And God did the rest. Not only did Joseph find life when he allowed that baby to live, Joseph found life. But you know what? That decision made it possible for you and me to find life. You and me, we, we have a life in Christ because he chose to trust in God. Faith in Christ leads to life. And you and I have that life, have that opportunity because of what he did. Now, and that sign that we had of the virgin birth that we celebrate every Christmas is, again, a sign of what God can do. That there is nothing impossible that God can't do. And just to make it even sweeter, God has given us another sign with a promise. And it comes with a warning, too. See, we have three signs. We have a we have a manger. We have a manger. We have a bloody cross and we have an empty tomb. Those are signs. Those are signs of what God can do and again Emmanuel that name of who God is Emmanuel when he he spoke it to Ahaz what does Emmanuel mean we saw it here it means God with us so here he is saying man Ahaz was against the people of Judah were against God but here God is saying but I'm still with you I know you're not you don't want to be with me but I'm still here I am with you I'm here to help if you trust me and here it is. We get Jesus again with that fulfillment. He's Emmanuel. That's his name because that's what he does. He is with us. Even though we might be against him, he's saying, no, man, I'm still for you. I am still for you. I am for you. You gotta, But you got to trust me. Trust me. And so to me, the, the big application, guys, that we can all take away from this is what kind of plan do you need when, when panic rolls its ugly head when you don't know what to do in this life circumstance and here and there we'll think back again to Isaiah what did he say in verse 9 if you don't stand firm in your faith you're not going to stand firm at all if you don't stand firm in your faith you're not going to stand firm at all let's not do what Ahaz was oh now hey God I I got this I don't need you I I got this God I know it's okay I I can do things my way I don't need to what does God have to say what are his rules No, no 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 I got this I can live my own life my own way and be happy and fulfilled And maybe you might be able to do that for a season. You might be able to do that. Am I I here to say that? Oh, if you don't trust in God, your life's going to be horrible. No, it might be okay. But this will probably be the closest to heaven you'll ever be. And God's not here just to give you, make sure life goes great. He wants to give you life. And so we need to go from I got this to no, 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 God got me. Not I got this, but, but God got me. If we can't stand firm in this and who he is, we ain't going to stand firm at all. Uh, in high school, I used to play baseball. And I used to play baseball in elementary, and then I took a break in middle school. And then decided, you know what, let's try this whole baseball thing again in high school. All right? So I missed the development for like four years, okay? So I'm here. Last time I played, it was this T-ball, all right? You can get a couple swings or whatever. Oh, you can't make it? All right, see? And then you can put it on a stick. High school, I was disappointed they didn't have no tees. Okay, you know they took the tees away. I'm like, all right, okay, that's fine. And so I mean, these guys were throwing heat. And I was like, this, these. I mean, the, the coaches were the one pitching to us last time I remember. These guys are throwing just smoke. I was like, oh my gosh. I remember the day we had to play Hillsboro High School, and we were play in Hillsboro High School. And this guy was. I mean, I had never seen played versus someone who was pitching as fast as this guy did. And I will never forget the day that I saw my very first curveball. All right. I don't know if you have ever seen, you know, staring down the barrel of a curveball. Anybody had to hit one of those or try? No? Let me tell you. Okay. Scariest thing of my life. All right. For real. Because I'm sitting here. I'm at the plate. I'm like, all right, here we go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Lining up. And the dude, when, you know, the curveball goes and he, I mean, that's out here, right? Ball's out here. The second that ball released in line, that ball was like there. And all I can think of was, I'm gonna die. Okay, I'm gonna die. That's going straight from my head because the ball was way out there. I'm gonna die. So, literally, when I saw, when that ball released and I saw where it was, I went. I jumped out the batter's box. I'm like, whoa, bro. And I was like, only then to see it go, strike one. (laughs) And then the crowd. Laughs. Okay. It was so embarrassing. Everyone was like, oh, my God, look what it did!" Oh it was, everyone was laughing. The bench blew up. My coach was like, what was that? So long ago? What was that? And so I was like, bro, I was going to die. And, and so it was so scary to see that because I was like, oh, I couldn't process that. I didn't know where the ball was going. I swear it was up to there. And then it just magically, I don't know, witchcraft, brujeria, that stuff was. I don't know how it went from there to there. Okay. I don't know how it went from there to there. Because that's what it was. And I was scared. But here's the thing, though. And then as I jumped out, and then he did it again. And I did the same thing. But I was like, oh, hell, I wanted to jump because I see the ball there. And coach is yelling at me. It's like, solo, man, stay on the plate. Stay on the plate. And I was like, I want to live. And I was like, no, stay on the plate. And so the guy had me. Now with two curveballs. And then he throws the fastball. And that fastball, listen, by the time I swung, I mean, the guy was already throwing it back. Like, it was that fast. Like, it was, oh, my gosh, strike three. I was like, ride the bench so long ago. I was like, oh, geez, I'm done. I quit. I quit. And so and so, the only reason why I bring that story up is because, see, I can't, what was a coach yelling at me to do? So stay on the plate. Stay on the plate, man. Stay on the plate. If it hits you, all right, you go to first base. Look, I, I can't go forward if I don't stand firm, right? I, I can't go forward if I didn't stand firm. If I'm out the batter's box, I can't do anything. I can't make contact. Even if the ball hit me, I can't do anything if I'm not in the batter's box. And so what Ahaz was, here's this situation. God has his promises, and Ahaz like, nah, I got this. Stepping out of the batter's box, stepping out of the promises of God. And see, if you can't stand firm in God's promises, you can't stand firm on home plate, you're not going to go forward. You can't go forward. You can't go take the next step. And so what Joseph was like, oh, God, I don't know about this. All right, this is your plan? Oh, that I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. So he activated his faith. He stood firm in the promises of God. And God fulfilled it. But here's the thing. If, if you want to play baseball, if you want to make contact, you got to stand firm at the play, but you also need a bat, don't you? Right? You need a bat to hit the ball. So let me give you the bat. The bat is called the butt. Ready? Here's the plan of attack when panic attacks. Ready? Here's the plan of attack when panic attacks. Use, uh, add a butt when you find yourself in a rut. Got it? Add a butt when you find yourself in a rut. That's the plan of attack. That's the application. I want you to think over the next, this week, for seven days, how many times have you ever speak something negative? Complain about something. Don't end with that. Add a butt. So here's the scenario let's say, okay, you got that curveball. I'm like, uh, I don't know how I'm gonna get, you. let's say it's, you know, I don't know how we're gonna pay for all these Christmas gifts. Okay, I don't know how we're going to be able to do this. I don't know how we can pay for Christmas and do anything. But if God's with me, I got this. God's my provider. I don't know. I'll figure it out. I don't know. Whatever, right? And so, all right, well, I got this scenario in my life. I don't know what I'm going to deal with. I don't know how I'm going to have, This is, you know, this is difficult. But if God is with me, that means I got this. And so if God is with me, then I got. But if God is with me, then I got. So I want you to pay attention every time you say something negative. I'm like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to get over this. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. But if God is with me, that means he's with me. It means he got me. And if he got me, that means I got this. And so add that but when you are in a rut. Don't just stay there because you can't make contact. You can't move forward if you're not standing firm. But when you are there standing firm on plate, on the promises of God, and you add that but Oh, man, you're going to make contact. That, that's how you can move forward and not just be stuck in the negativity, stuck in your excuses, stuck in God says, listen, you walk on my promises. I will show you what I can do. I will show you what I can do. But add a but when you find yourself in a red. And that but is this. If I trust in God, I know who my God is. It's not in you. It's not in your strength. It's not in your promises. It's not in your ability to figure anything out. No, it's not I got this. Because God got me. Does God got my problem? Have I handed it to him? Because here's the promise. If God got me, that means I got this. If God got me, that means I got this because he is with me. And if my God is with me, because God is with me because he is for me. And if God is for me, then nothing can stand against me. And so you got to stand that. But God, I can't explain this. I can't figure this out. But I know, I don't know how to figure that out. I don't know how I'm going to make it out. But I know who my God is. I know who my God is. Listen, you might not get everything right in doing that. You're not going to get everything right. You know, talking about getting life right, you won't, we always won't get every single thing right. But you know what? It's okay. But imagine if we lived like that. Imagine every time you had a negative thought, and like, I don't know how we're going to overcome this. But God is good and he can do the impossible. Imagine that if, you, if, if we just did that. And then not only that about you, but here's the thing. If I know, if I know that God got me and I know I got this, you know, then it it inspires me to do. That means I look to you. I'm like, hey, bro, I got you. Hey, I got you. I got you. So when you see someone else in a rut and they're like, oh, man, my life, my family, my circumstances, I don't know what I'm going to do, man. This is impossible. I can't. Then someone, you can speak life into someone else. Hey, yeah, I know that's hard. I know that's difficult. But you know what? But God, though but God. And you can be there for someone else. When you know God got you and and you got this, now I can look to you and say, yo, hey, I got you. I got you. And if I got you and you got me, that means we got this. Because we are not alone. Because God, again, he came unto us. He He came unto us to show us, to prove us that he is for us, not against us. And that anything, anything that comes against us, we can stand. We can withstand with him. I got this because he got me. I got this because he got me I got this because he got me I got this I don't know even if it's just one step I don't know I just got to take today I just got to walk in this moment in this minute but you can take that step knowing because of who my God is if God got me I mean I got this I can do this I can do this I can do this because of him I can do all things in Christ who gives me that strength that's what that is that's what that is I can do this from that God who got me And so I want you guys to think over the next couple of days. I want you to process that. Because in the moment, listen, you know, we all want to get life right. And I know you want to get life right. I know we all do. We don't want to waste it. And we won't always get everything right. But if you place your trust in Jesus, despite you might not get everything right, but when you trust in God, you can rest assured that everything will be all right. If you trust in him. If you trust in him, he'll make sure that everything is all right in the end he will make it work but you gotta don't jump out of his promises don't jump out of the box don't let your imagination take over and you know control no rest in who God is and who is God we have that name Emmanuel what does Emmanuel mean he's with us and if he's with us it's because he's for us and if he is for us nothing can stand against us. God is Emmanuel. God is with us. It's his name because it's his nature. It's who he is.